Hello and welcome back to the Heart of the Hill podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Tillman. Last week, I briefly explained how this time would be used as a forum, chiefly covering how we can stay together as a country amidst social and political turmoil. And today, I want to dive into a series I'll entitle, The Things That Will Destroy Us. As we push for reformation, we often become known by what we stand against rather than what we stand for, making enemies instead of allies. In our quest for improvement, we can develop the habit of chopping down anyone who opposes or doesn't fully understand what we're after. And we completely miss the mark of what we are after, strength. The strength of a society does not originate in uniformity, but through a right relationship with its individual members. I don't wish to stop the flow of creative movement or thwart people's passion, but I do hope to reorient ourselves around thoughts that will usher reconciliation as we move along. One of the most glaring sources of division I witness each week is the way we use social media. Despite allowing the planet to become interconnected, social media houses many faults. It is a suitable platform for falling into a vortex of bad news, positioned only to let the loudest voices triumph, and has proven an ineffective format for civil discourse. Yet, approximately 7 in 10 Americans are on at least one form of social media, according to a Pew Research Center study last year. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat have become enormous in how we navigate information about our friends, classmates, coworkers, and those whom we've never met. And if we aren't careful, we may let it become the dominant source to tell us about the world. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. The only way to truly know someone is to interact with them face to face. Without being physically present, you miss the full picture of body language, intonation, and context. Relating over a screen is not a real relationship, and relationships are the platform for renewed perspectives. Nor does this only apply to the rich, famous, and influential. This applies to all of us from the grandma who just made a Facebook account to the young educated professional. With that in mind, I want to pose two launching questions. What world are you living in? And who are you letting run that world? These aren't meant to be abstract, but indicative of our reality. What I mean by these is where do we spend a majority of our time and who are we letting inform ourselves about the state of the world and who inhabits it? Let's start with what world we're living in. Put another way, with what or with whom are we interacting on a daily basis? This spans from our music selection to what we read, who we speak with, who we work with, our hobbies, and our guilty pleasures. Whatever we put in front of our eyes will shape our mindset, whether that's positive, negative, hopeful, or gloomy. Likewise, the proportion of time we allot to each thing we interact with helps write our script for how we will interact with different subjects and people in the future. Research around a certain topic, movement, or community is necessary and even helpful, but discretion is reserved only for the arena of interaction. It is dangerous to speak in generalities about something with which we have never witnessed, and when it comes to people and their belief systems, assumptions become tools of alienation. Social media is disproportionately negative in this manner. 
the entire premise of social media is to post something that will elicit a response from others. We post because we adore recognition. It feels good when someone approves of what we think or create. We've quickly learned that the most efficient way to do this is to post something short, witty, describing a situation broadly, and relating to the largest number of people possible. We've also discovered the most popular way to garner attention is through controversy. Hot takes dominate the market, while heated arguments cloaked as debates saturate our timelines. We are drawn to disagreement and to those who can trounce another's opinion with authority. And somehow we like it. We are allured by the drama and view it as entertainment. When those tendencies collide with serious subject matters, legitimate problems arise. Too often, social media users will paint weighty issues with a broad brush, trading in facts for quick hits and punchlines that will attract the most attention. Those who get the most attention are declared the winners, regardless of whether an ounce of truth was spoken. And sadly, those who truly wish to serve useful information are drowned in the ocean of noise, making the water too murky to filter. The posts that have the most reactions are far too often extreme encounters, examples, or thoughts not providing the full scope of what is occurring and who is behind it. I found that because of this, social media provides a disproportionately negative commentary on current events. We find ourselves succumbing to a negative view of the world because that is what we subject ourselves and our attention to every day. It's funny that no matter how high the volume of chaos floating around on social media, most days we can still walk out of our homes, into shops, offices, and other public spaces, and everything is fine. You can speak to people without fear, and you can walk about in freedom. That is where we need to return our focus. Social media distorts reality, and depending on who we follow and how we use different sites, we will lose touch with the fact that life still marches to its own drumbeat. And maybe it's because of this negativity and inaccuracy that we feel burdened to use our own profiles as platforms for views that we deem important for the world to hear. I challenge this by simply suggesting that seldom has a heart been changed through a post on social media. The sad news is that for most of us, our accounts are not as influential as we think. And the one who cares the most about what we post is us. But beyond that, social media is an ineffective breeding ground for real conversation about real ideas. Take the example of texting. If you need to have a weighty conversation, the only reason you have it over text is to avoid the uncomfortable confrontation. Most times, the conversation has to take place again, in person, or at least over the phone, where the two people can actually hear and see each other. They can see authenticity on the other's face and feel it in their voice. They don't misinterpret words because they quit reading them through a perceived voice and rather experience the conversation in real time and can immediately ask for clarification if offense is taken. All of this is lost over social media. A discussion is only successful if the two parties can shake hands afterward and share a drink together. That is how a civil society operates. It's not about winning a fight, having the most persuasive language, or exposing your opponent as foolish. Victory in the online realm equates to nothing of real progress. 
Real influence is found in the willingness to buy your enemy a cup of coffee and listen to them. We have to start asking ourselves, what are we building towards? We must seriously examine that our words have the power of life and death. Each post, sentence, and interaction can build someone up or tear them down. The hopeful irony is that we are completely in control of our own social media use. It's easy and almost natural to buy into the system of negativity and argumentation online, but it is wholly our prerogative if we do so. Changing the narrative is closer than you think. Be on the lookout next week for continued discussion on social media as I bring on a guest to have deeper dialogue. This has been the Heart of the Hill podcast with your host, Ryan Tillman. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to check out our Instagram page at the Heart of the Hill. We'll see you next time.